You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, Sixers fans, Joel Embiid had a bounce back game after struggling over the first couple losses. He had 40 points and 13 rebounds, but the Sixers still ended up losing 114-105 to a lowly Spurs squad. Lots to break down in this one. Before I jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. You can also check me out on Twitter at jazzkang21. So I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. This is a disappointing, ugly loss for a Philly team coming off a couple of defeats against, against teams who are regarded as two of the best in not only the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA. Lost the opener against the Celtics. Looks Looked pretty good for stretches over there and then came up short against the Bucks. Offensively, not a great performance on Thursday, but defensively, it looked like the team had started to figure things out. But this one, inexcusable. The Spurs, widely expected to be amongst the worst teams in the NBA alongside the Pacers, who the Sixers play on Monday. But looking at that, this is a loss that was ugly from basically the second quarter on. Everything looked good in the first. Joel was playing well. The Sixers defense held the Spurs to 19 points, but that second quarter looked like we were back in the early process years. I mean, Devin Vassell looked like legitimately an NBA Hall of Famer throughout that second quarter. He had 20 points in the first half, and the Sixers couldn't do anything to stop him. And looking at this right now, that's been a trend. If it's happening against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you can kind of forgive it. If it's happening against Devin Vassell and Keaton Johnson, well, then you're going to have an issue. And I think that is where the problem is going to be now going forward because everybody looked at this and and said, okay, when you first saw the schedule came out, might drop those first couple of games. Would have been nice to get wins against Boston and Milwaukee, but given all the changes in the offseason with the Anthony Melton, with Daniel House, with P.J. Tucker, the assumption was it might take 10, 12 games for the Sixers to kind of figure things out in terms of rotations and for the guys to learn how to play with each other in terms of, okay, offensively, defensively, what are this guy's tendencies? What are his tendencies? But we still looked at the schedule and said, hey, they're going to beat San Antonio on Saturday, and they should be able to beat the Pacers on Monday. And of course, that didn't happen. And there are a ton of reasons why things went awry in this one. Number one, James Harden, who has been great offensively over the first couple of games, really struggled in this one, finished 4 of 18 shooting. He did have 12 points, 12 assists, and 9 rebounds, so just a board short of a triple-double. But um, still not not impressive from the rest of the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey came alive. He had 25 points, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but the bench guys, this has been a, a, a sticking point not only last season where we were seeing Matisse Thybul, Furkan Korkmaz, George Niang, no disrespect to those guys, but they were basically coming in as the, the sixth, seventh man, and that's why Daryl Morey went out and made the moves he made in the offseason. He got the Anthony Melton. He got House. He got... P.J. Tucker, who's been one of the best role players in the NBA for quite some time over, over the past five to seven years. And still, 
we're seeing the same issues. And the Sixers shooting 10 of 31 from deep definitely didn't help. But the fingers are starting to get pointed at Doc Rivers. And if you look at the vitriol, he's getting online, people on Twitter, even the national media starting to chime in and look at this and say, it might be time to move on. And again, normally under these circumstances, you wouldn't be saying, hey, it's three games into the year, fire the coach. I don't think anybody would be saying that. I think when you're looking at this, we've seen this issue over the past couple of seasons where the bench has struggled. No way in hell should your team with those bona fide veteran NBA players be outscored 40 to 10 by the Spurs. Seriously, go look at the Spurs backup rotations. And, and even before you do, try and name three guys that come off the bench for San Antonio. I don't even think you can. I think a ca- ca- whether you're a hardcore or casual NBA fan, I don't think you can honestly at the top of your head look at it and be like, I can name three guys who come off the bench for the Spurs. And they were outscored 40 to 10 by that unit. And again, it might not be all on Doc, but that's where the finger is going to be pointed, especially at this point where Daryl Morey has went out, acquired the pieces that were needed. And I'm sure the moves that he made, he talked to Doc about it and and everybody was in on any and Doc probably told him, look, I need some legitimate NBA guys, guys who can play at both ends of the floor. He Doc got so desperate in this one, he put Matisse Thibel in the rotation in the second quarter just to try and s- slow down Vessel. Again, zero points for Matisse, didn't do anything. Uh, defensively, wasn't wasn't great again over his short period of time on the court. So now you're looking at this and thinking, what can they do differently? And and uh, if this continues, and again, don't get me wrong, I, it's a it's a terrible loss. I could use a bunch of other words, but I won't. But it's three games into the season. The Sixers can definitely turn things around. They're playing another team they should absolutely hammer on Monday in terms of Indiana. But then you got a couple of tough games in Toronto Wednesday and Friday, back at home next Saturday to take on the Bulls. If they're sitting at one and five or, or somewhere, you know, oh and six, God forbid, I don't think that'll happen after the Toronto game, then Doc's definitely gone. But again, if you're looking at one win and let's just say they do struggle, Daryl Morey has to pull the trigger on that. Right. And how long can you wait and see if he's going to be able to figure it out? And you look at the offensive scheme, the way the Sixers are running things. The Harden and Bede pick and roll has been virtually unstoppable since that trade in February at the trade deadline of, of this year, uh, going back to last season, though. And so why aren't you running it more? Well, why are we not seeing the Sixers just relying on that until the other team can show that they are capable of stopping it? And of course, if you're running that pick and roll, you have to worry about Harden turning the corner, getting into the paint, possibly getting to the free throw line. You have to worry about him being able to set up a shooter in the corner. You got those guys now, right? You got P.J. Tucker there. You got Tobias Harris there. You got uh, DeAnthony Melton coming off the bench. Tyrese Maxey, who can who has improved his shot year over year, now in year three, becoming more than a reliable three-point shooter. And, of course, you got the big fellow rolling. And so why aren't you running that more? And I think the Sixers offensively have been very, very stagnant. We saw that at points throughout not only last year's regular season, but the playoffs, especially in that series against Miami, although Joel did miss the first couple of games of that series. And so you're starting to look at this and be like, this is a trend now, right? We, we're we not just going to look at it and say, oh, it's a brand new year. Uh, there are only three games in. Let's not act like the sky is falling. No, under Doc, they have struggled to score consistently. And again, I get it. Joel Embiid is a top three MVP candidate in the NBA. You want to get him the ball. You want to establish his dominance early, but he shouldn't be getting the ball at the block, at the high post every time. And if he is, 
get some more motion going with the other four guys. And we don't see that once Joel gets the ball, it's a lot of standing around and waiting, which allows the defense to slowly inch in and creep towards the paint and offer some help and nothing else going on. And we've seen the Sixers just struggle with with trying to cope with with in-game adjustments. Of course, that has been another th- flaw in Doc's game. And he took on one of the best coaches in NBA history today with Greg Popovich, although his roster sucks. But again, look, looking at this, this is going to be the major focal point for the Sixers going forward. And I've said this before on the podcast. I mentioned it on Friday. If they're sitting at five and five, six and four, come time for the 10 game mark, nobody's going to say anything. If they're at eight and 12 at 20 games, Daryl Morey has to pull the trigger. And they got a guy on the bench who, by all accounts from anybody you speak to around the NBA, is ready for the next step in his coaching career. And that's Sam Cassell. And so I do think the more these losses are piling up, and it's not just the fact that they're losing. Every team's going to lose. Even the top teams in the NBA are going to lose to some of the bottom fears throughout an 82-game season. But it's the way they're losing. And I think that's where the pressure and the anti-doc sentiment is coming from. And again, if, if this is not going to be able to be rectified, if they're not going to be able to gain some consistency going forward, then this is going to be the end result. So again, I'm not going to act like the sky is falling. I'm not going to act like the world is over because they're 0-3. Again, it's three games in. They still have 79 to go. It's not like it's an NFL season where every game is imperative to win. And if your team loses a couple in a row, you're worried about your playoff chances. I mean, the Sixers, like I said, are good enough and deep enough that they can reel off 10 games in a row right here. And they're sitting at 10-3 and a couple of weeks from now. And this game is forgotten about. But it's the inconsistency, it's the way that they play, and it's how the systems have been ran that are becoming a worrisome point for not only Sixers fans, people who cover the team, but I'm sure in-house as well. And Brett Brown came back for this game. We saw him get a nice thank you uh, tribute from on the, on the big board. It wasn't a video or anything, but Joel went out of his way to, t- to talk to him a couple of times, gave him a high five during free throws, gave him a bit of a hug at the end of the game. And so you're starting to look at it, and I'm wondering too, is are the players starting to question what Doc brings as a coach? And and again, he won a championship 14 years ago. It's been 14 years since Doc Rivers won a championship, and he's still living off that. He's still living off that. So that you know the the clout that he gained and 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 the leeway that he gained, it's gone. It's it's been way too long, homie. You know what I mean? You can't sit around and and look at it like that and say I'm a championship coach. You were more than a decade ago, and we've seen him collapse with the Clippers coach. Obviously, the big one up 3-1 to one with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and they end up losing in the bubble to that Nuggets squad. And we've seen him uh, lose a 3-1 lead against the Rockets. I, I believe it was in 2015 with, uh, with the team that he had with um, uh, the, the Clippers back then, the Lob City guys. So you look, you look at this, this has been a tendency throughout the decade, last decade or so of his coaching career. And there's a good reason for it that people are continuing to call him out. And again, we'll give him a pass. They're only three games in, not ideal to be 0-3. But again, if things don't start shaping up, and I'm expecting the Sixers to come out and completely blow the doors off the Pacers on Monday. Otherwise, there's going to be talk around the town. If, if, if Philly only comes out and beats Indy by 6 or 7 on Monday, and it's another ugly one, then it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's time to take a serious look at this. Because again... The Sixers are too good, too deep. They've invested too much into building this squad as it is. And if they're unable to take advantage of it, uh, the pressure is going to go on Daryl Morey to make a move sooner than later because he's done everything in terms of giving 
Doc Rivers and his coaching staff, the horses to be able to win. Now the question is, are they going to be able to sustain it? That'll do it for this episode. It was just a quick one of Sixers and Six. Again, I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Don't hesitate to hit me up on Twitter at JazzKang21. We could discuss Doc Rivers. You can tell me I suck on my podcast, <laughs> whatever it is you want to do. That's entirely up to you. And of course, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And check us out online as well at LibertyBallers.com. Thank you.